Welcome to the Form of Fitness Podcast, where you will learn the most that there is to learn about fitness. Through mechanism, about dieting, motion itself, and many more, you will follow me and my co-host Duncan as we talk about these things as they are related to our personal lives, as well as they are related to the health industry and how they affect us and people around us every day. We thank you for listening. Guys, welcome back to the Form of Fitness Podcast. I'm joined by Duncan again today, and today we're going to be talking about some specific nuance points to do with fitness. Um, and I'm not going to really dive into what I mean by that. I think I'm just going to let you start. Yeah, I mean, I think that usually when I start talking off of an episode, I, I kind of bring out like the point of the episode, and mm. you know, nuance when it comes to nutrition and fitness, you really have to, you know, understand. Um, that these things are very necessary and it's why you know usually a 10 minute point or a 10 minute like read off the internet yields like a 30 40 minute discussion it's because all of a sudden you then have to start clarifying every single point you make and yep. so like the first thing that you know i'm going to talk about is that you know processed foods aren't the devil Right. Yeah. Um, I think that there's a lot of people out there who just demonize processed foods. Um, there's an Instagram account called the Vertuvian or something like that. Yeah, the um, Vertuvian. And, yeah, and like I follow him because like he releases some good stuff, but and it's sometimes funny. But a post he released it today, like demonized processed foods. And it's like not all processed foods are bad for you, and you know if you talk to some personal trainers and some nutrition coaches, like they'll even say, use it as a tool. Right. Yeah. Um, because realistically, like I burn 3000 to 3,500 calories a day. Um, so especially if I'm trying to gain weight, I need to eat a lot. Yeah. And from personal experience, I can tell you that if you try to do whole foods only, no processed foods, like no mashed potatoes, no rice, um, shit gets hard. And even with yeah, like rice and mashed potatoes, like it's hard because you eat, you know, 40, 50 grams uh, or of protein out of a steak, like you're full. Yeah. Your, your, your satiation's done. Um, and so like part of the reason why processed foods like are demonized or is part of the, the like use of them, right? Yeah. Um, if any of you guys have had like a protein shake, you would know that like 24 gram protein shake feels nothing like 24 grams of protein off of, you know, a cow or a chicken or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and that can be some of the most beneficial parts of like making sure that you can create a well-rounded diet that you can stick to that doesn't make you feel miserable every time you eat. Yeah, um, preventing yourself from starving is yeah. an another big thing. Um, and I mean, the, the reason why the, these processed foods are demonized so much in our culture is because obesity and being overweight are probably one of the biggest like afflictions that most people have. Yeah. And the processed foods being so available, so widely available and so like just acquirable that that's what we're going to demonize because yeah. we're going to demonize the fact that, you know, when all these people swap to a whole food diet, they start losing weight and they start mm -hmm. feeling a lot healthier. So, but that's not to include the other half of people that are, you know, severely 
either undernourished or don't get enough calories to really put on muscle mass or even sometimes maintain weight because they've got such a high metabolism rate Mm -hmm. um, with whole foods and not just like have a sore jaw from the amount of food (laughs) they've got to eat or something like that. And, um, and I mean, I mean, yeah, it's, it's really important to kind of, kind of keep that mentality when, when looking through the processed food things and also understanding what the word processed foods means Mm -hmm. is that anything that's not direct from the source food is processed. Yeah. Anything that is a grain product is probably processed, right? If it's not the wheat stalk itself, the corn kernel itself, or I mean, in the case of rice, like most times rice has been multi, multi time watched, uh, washed, sorry. Um, and cleaned and stuff like that. And so it's just kind of breaking down the tannins on the outside of it. So it's not really like the, what is it? The thermic value as the thermic value decreases on the food, it's becoming more and more processed, which is why like these proteins, which are very, very complex structures that we're breaking down directly from the meat source in full, like a steak or a chicken thigh or chicken breast or, um, you know, anything like this has a really, really high thermic value, right? The, the structure is immensely complex and your body has to break it down to the most usable micro bits and then reorganize it. Whereas like in the case of like whey protein powder, which is, you know, strained out of milk, which is already a liquid, right? Mm -hmm. Liquids are always easier to break down. Right. Um, as opposed to the, the solid form of something like that. And so you've just got to keep the eye on what kind of processing is being yeah. done to the food, right? Yeah, like so. applesauce is a great example of this, yeah. right? Like you can have, and I think that one of the biggest mechanisms that make like processed food so bad is you're divorcing fiber from sugar, right? Because yeah. like sugar is not a bad thing. I think that um, it's been proved in a couple different studies that like people who have high sugar diets, as long as they're pairing that sugar with fiber, it actually doesn't really um, create the same like diabetic effects as like someone yep. who just eats high sugar diet without the fiber. And usually yeah. you find that in processed foods, right. like applesauce is a great example. Of this like no sugar added applesauce, maybe throw some cinnamon on there. Like it tastes good and you're going to be able to eat like a tub of applesauce, which is going to have infinitely more calories <laughs> than the like apples that you try and eat like without yeah. that applesauce. And that's purely processing, right? It's the fact that a medium apple is the size of, well, a medium apple. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you turn that medium apple to applesauce, it's like a spoonful. Yeah. No, and that, I mean, that's, yeah, that, that's really important when it talks, when you're talking about the quantity of food you're intaking. Mm-hmm. Like, and most times, again, with the, the what people are thinking about when they're thinking process, they're thinking, you know, pulverized meat into chicken nuggets, right? Yeah. Chicken nuggets on a pound scale do not have the same satiation rate, <laughs> at least for me. as like chicken breast or chicken thighs and i mean the obvious reason is that most of these things have been through like basically just turning the meat into a liquid and then squirting it into (laughs) a certain shape um or like in the case of like a lot of like some deli meats right Mm -hmm. they don't come from a direct source of like (laughs) something actually in the animal it's like a, a liquefied version of that that they shoot into a cylinder and then it's so it's basically your food's been chewed already is the way you think about it and the less chewing on your food you do 
the easier it is yeah. to for your body to process anyway. I mean, that's step one of processing in your body, and the less of that you've got to do, you're reduce. It's more processed outside of your body, right? Yeah. And then, like a continuation of this point, is kind of also our obsession with like healthy, right? Mm-hmm. Because I I think it's very much human tendency to want to separate things kind of as black and white. And so you have healthy food and you have unhealthy food, right? Mm. And so, for example, you know, I would say water is healthy and soda is unhealthy, regardless of whether it's diet or regular, right? Mm. But in reality, if I'm an individual who is slamming, I don't know, six Cokes a day, right? Would it be a healthier option for me to swap to diet like Coke? Yes, it would, right? Because I'm no longer um, taking that digestible sugar and yeah. me, I'm like, I'm cutting down on calories. I'm cutting down on stuff that my body's going to process. Like that is a healthier move. Right. Now, is it the healthiest move? Not necessarily. No. Um, but like these kind of differences, I think also can create problems when people don't acknowledge them because mm-hmm. it makes dieting a lot harder and like getting healthier a lot harder. Yeah. Um, I think that that's one of the best things about CrossFit is like we come in with this mindset of scaling. Yeah. And that kind of brings this idea to um, like the weightlifting and the the movement world of yeah. like, hey, we understand you can't squat 225 pounds yet. We're going to have you squat body weight, right? Um, and, and so I think that's kind of insane to take that mindset and completely discard it when it comes to nutrition you know you're you're never going to find a nutrition specialist who says like you know all of my patients they come into me and they tell me what they're eating and then then i just tell them forget about you're going to eat chicken broccoli and like rice like it's not going to turn out well the the adherence to the diet is going to be very minimal you know unless you have david goggins types like it's not going to happen which you're not going to get yeah if they're if they're coming to you for help they're not they're not the david goggins (laughs) yeah so yeah, um, and that, that's really crucial is having that that mindset around scaling and getting healthier from the point you're at already, mm-hmm. right? It's like some health nuts, right? People that are very, very into nutrition, very, very nuanced about their nutrition, like down to the, you know, exact type of rice they're eating, the exact, you know, spoonful quantity of food that they're putting in per day. These people are going to have a very different approach to what a healthy choices yeah as compared to the person you know the average college student who's eating you know ramen for a couple meals a day and getting fast food yeah the rest of the time like uh, the healthy choice for that person is going to be swapped to um real meats and uh you know like real vegetables and whole grains and, and just to get off the hyper processed you know basically just slug food (laughs) like to be completely honest um and yeah and i mean do you have any other points you want to add about that one or i like i I would say that like just look to different individuals i and joe rogan made a wonderful point of like different people just food hits them differently right for him he can't eat pasta or else he feels like shit for you know the next couple of hours the number one jujitsu fighter in the world right now he lives in America, but he gets all mm. of his um, grains imported from Italy. He eats one meal that's 7,000 calories, and it's a pizza, acai, and pasta, 
right? And for the average person, I don't think that would work, right? But it works for him. Yeah. And, you know, you can boil this down mechanistically to probably genetics, microbiome, um, the difference between, like, Italian grains and U.S. Yeah. grains. You know, there's mechanisms that you can probably point to, and I think that that's also important is looking at, you know, what's going on mechanistically. Because... Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of our points are going to kind of boil down to the reason why the nuance is there is because either we don't completely understand the mechanism, and if we don't completely understand the mechanism, we can't make the rule, Mm -hmm. or the rule is so simplified that it disregards the mechanism that's going on. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, that's a very, very clear and true point about everything that we're going to talk about throughout this episode is that it's just because we don't have a clear zero one style answer yet there's no on off type protocol and i mean we already talked about that with the nutrition thing it's a scale Mm -hmm. of what is healthy in comparison to other things and healthy is not the same for everyone either because everyone's different and their lifestyle calls for um, different things right and so their body's going to require different nutrient quantities right Mm -hmm. so and I mean, we'll get into that point more, especially as we talk about my first nuance point, which is over tracking um, and tr- tracking in general when it comes to, um, I mean, this more in the nutrition sense than I do the fitness sense, because yeah. I mean, if we're being serious, you can be very, very hyper analytical about your fitness and it'd be okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be like, yeah. Like, outside of like, the psychology problem outside of like, the psychology of it just stressing you out yeah. that, that you know stuff's not going anywhere sometimes yeah yeah over tracking is probably fine in the gym yeah. it's you know because you can be pretty <sighs> accurate you know yeah. like if you're one rep maxing like you 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 probably couldn't lift more than yeah. you know you, you hit that limit yeah know? and as far as progress goes it's way better than grossly under tracking so yeah. there's there's that one um but when it comes to dieting this tends to have a lot of implications involving things like everybody knows the cheat meal or a cheat day that ruins a lot of people so many people and it's um and i know we've talked about it before but it's just it's another point i wanted to bring up um is also over tracking in like the micronutrients Mm -hmm. that tends to be one of those things where when you're tracking so hard that you're tracking like you know your vitamin b level like in 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 the most micro sense like you're trying to track every calorie you intake throughout the day and intake um and all these all these micronutrients and stuff like this this just ends up demolishing your relationship with food which is really the biggest thing because then you end up at the point where you literally like a lot of like most people do get excited for certain meals and certain foods are their favorite to get to eat and you're just going to lose that relationship with food entirely yeah. because every single time you eat anything ever with the exception of a cheat meal which throws you off is just going to be uh, and you're going to slug through your meals stuff like for so, some people like and this is a lot of uh, a lot of people our age they just like gag at the thought of certain foods yeah like you say chicken and rice to some people and they're just like uh, uh. i'm like because because it's all you fucking ate bro yeah. it's all you ate yeah. and because you were over tracking you're over tracking general protein and stuff like that and it's like at some point you forgot that oh i needed to include fat in my diet yeah. and on top of that like 
sometimes you need to let your body kind of tell you what it needs. Mm -hmm. Like when you're craving salt, like you should, you you should consume probably some consume some salty foods. Yeah. Um, like when it comes to these micronutrients, you know, the reality of the situation is you're rarely ever going to have a one day crash because you didn't get enough vitamin D for that day. Especially yeah. like take a multivitamin, all your worries go away. It really like, like, like there's no such thing as over consuming a lot of these different um most nutrients you can't uh, overconsume. A, a lot of these micronutrients, like yeah. you, you you can't. Like there's a couple, like especially the metals, I think. Yeah. Um but iron's if you're, a big one. Yeah, like if you're over consuming them, you yeah. were trying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Um because you didn't get it from all, just food. You yeah. had to have like eaten a nail or something. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah. like but then the macronutrients, I think that like those are definitely important, right? But mm -hmm. like water, make sure that you're consuming enough water, but not too much water, you know, make sure you're consuming an amount of fat, uh protein and carbohydrate every day. Like and those are a lot easier to track. Yeah. Um I think kind of going into this space, like we can also discuss like fitness trackers because a lot of people don't realize this, but they're actually like their range of accuracy is 20%, which means that they could be over counting by 120% or they could be under counting by 80% on their yeah. max ranges. Um, yeah. I've seen that so, a lot in the, yeah. in the, the online, what online says uh, a lot of times is that like in the case of like some, some good standard examples, like the Apple watch, yeah. The Apple Watch grossly undertracks. Like most times it's undertracking by uh, upwards of 20% mm -hmm. a lot of times. Um and then like like let's say the the treadmill, yeah. you know something like that. Bro. <laughs> if you think that's accurate, yeah. It's like it's a good jet. I mean like I say general, but if yeah. your general's like within a 40% margin of error, like yeah, it's a good yeah. general track, but yeah. it's like CrossFit for example counts calories on like bikes and rowers mm. and stuff like that but it's not a measure of like oh you burn these this many calories it's a measure of intensity you know it's a standardized way to say hey burn 50 calories and then you're done and you move on to the next thing yeah and so like you standardize it among everybody yeah um you burn 50 calories on the way the machine counts yeah. the calories like yeah. it's not it's not yeah. your calories yeah. it's, it's the equivalent to saying hey run a mile yeah. Right. Um, That's just some, it's a metric of which we understand, yeah. but it's a metric in this case, just counted by the machine. Like yeah. it doesn't really like correlate exactly to 50 calories of, yeah. you know, energy in your body. And like a big problem with most of these fitness trackers, especially like the wearable ones is that they don't do well at picking up all of the different ways that we burn um, calories. It's like mm -hmm. you, you, Basically, your me uh, metabolism has like three main factors, and it's your your resting uh, metabolic rate, which is just your your. I think it's also been referred to as the basal me metabolic rate. It's all kind of the same thing. It's what you burn just existing, right? And then you have your active calories, and then nowadays um, they've picked up that there's also like these calories that are burned due to just your body mm -hmm. doing things, <clears throat> and. Um, it's actually been linked to a couple like genetic factors. And so some people just have these um, genomes that cause them to like fidget after eating a big meal. Hmm. Uh, my family is actually pretty notorious for this. Like we eat a big meal, we get really hot. Um, the meat sweats is a great example of this. And all these things kind of burn extra calories, you know, uh, bouncing your leg. You know, if you have restless leg syndrome, like that's your body just slowly taking away calories. Yep. Um, it's a, It's called neat. Yeah. Uh, Non-exercise active thermogenesis. Yeah, and it's, yeah, it's not something that you can control. 
but it's something that happens. And a lot of times, I mean, <clears throat> you tend to see like they've done some studies on that and your neat does tend to decrease as you um, exercise more intensely in the mm -hmm. gym. So like people that have like, like in my case, I shake my leg a ton, Yeah, right? I fidget a lot. And a lot of fidgets tend to go away with high intensity training mm -hmm. for long times. Like a lot of people that'll go and they, you know, they're non-active people. They shake their leg a ton. They go to the gym one day and run two, three, four miles. Yeah. Like, and, and like with no history of this, their fidgeting basically goes away for the day. Yeah. Right. Because it's just like your body's like, oh, oh I'm going to save yeah. my calories. And, and you're your just, nervous cool. system is also just exhausted. At that yeah. Point. And so, you know, there's that one. A lot of times that need is almost trying to like make up some of the extra calories you're intaking. Yeah. Um, and it's also been shown that like people who eat a big meal, often their need increases after the consumption of that meal. Yep. Um, and so that's just another example of like your body basically trying to maintain some state of like homeostasis. Yeah. Um, like it wants to burn some calories. Your body wants to burn some calories. And if your body is doing something, it's easier for your body yeah. to burn calories. And so like, or it's easier for it, for your body to kind of kick in gear to say, Hey, we gotta, we gotta burn this stuff. We gotta clean this yeah. stuff out. And so if you're kind of doing something, that's what your body's wanting you to do. Yeah. So, um, and so like, because of these factors, like it's just really hard for a fitness tracker to like have a, hard on you know this is how many calories you burn because what it's doing is it's tracking mechanisms that we think we understand right mm. but in reality it's harder for us to like figure these things out um so there's other methods of actually tracking your calorie uh consumption throughout the day and like how many calories you normally need over the course of like a week and usually the way that this does is like there's an app called carbon that does this uh, really well and basically what these apps do is they have you weigh yourself either daily or weekly, and then they have you tracking the amount of calories you consume. And then basically what it does is on the back end, it uses an algorithm to calculate your weight gain or weight loss based off of the amount of calories it had you consume. Mm -hmm. And so as long as you tell it everything that you are putting into your body, it can figure out how many calories you need in order to you know, gain weight, lose weight. Because we know that calories in equals calories out. We don't know kind of what all kind of is involved in that calories out part of the equation. Yeah. And we don't really know what all is involved in the calories in part of the equation either because of things like bioavailability. Yeah. But we do know that because we have this basic principle, if you boil down the factors to the easiest ways to track, yeah. you're going to be a lot more accurate. Yeah, and I mean that's that's true in fitness as well. It's like if you tend to um like we just aren't 100% sure on everything. And that's yeah. my fourth that's my that's my next point is observing the science mm -hmm. is we aren't 100% clear on this stuff at all in most if any ways, yeah. right? We are very, we've got a lot of good general understanding and that's because a lot of this stuff is overtly observable in a yeah. general you know in a general sense it's like oh yeah the guy that eat, eats mcdonald's every day you know and you know his healthy meal is a trip down to wendy's instead of mcdonald's yeah he's not doing too good and he doesn't exercise at all but the guy that you know eats you know shops at whole foods and gets his food from there mm -hmm. and cooks it 
you know, he's doing a lot better despite, you know, neither of them exercising. So, you know, I mean, there's obvious and general yeah. understandings like that. And we, it's a lot more specific that I'm very, I'm generalizing a lot, but you need to be very, very kind of like adaptive with this science, right? Yeah. Exercise science and nutrition science um, in general. You just kind of have to be aware, like what's yeah. happening. Keep up to date with stuff if you can, right? And a lot of this stuff is changing really quickly. Yeah. Like I, I can, I can say in the past, like six years, like like between the health science I was dished as a middle schooler, when I mean, like I really caught the end of them showing us like the Super Size Me movie and stuff yeah. like that, and we were still just kind of on like fat is horrible for you trend and you know we were still know. in food pyramid yeah i mean we were and still then, in food pyramid one and, and then, then we, we experienced my plate which was that was bad too <laughs> and then the, the new food pyramid i, I don't like that one either There's but it, food it's pyramid been, yeah they went back to the food pyramid oh okay. but they made it different so okay. i think the food pyramid there was when we were little was the one that was split up vertically yeah, yeah. now it's split horizontally huh and so fats are up at the top of the pyramid still and, okay. and i mean that's just because like uh, I mean, like when when you say fats to most people, most people's fats intake is grease. I yeah, mean, like polysaturated. Yeah, poly, yeah, you know, long, long, long words for what they're talking about fats. Yeah. Not not you know you know normal fats from like animals. Yeah, you know, you're talking about you're talking about like some super carbon, some super long lipid strain that's only made because yeah. of, you know it, McDonald's fryers or something. Yeah. Yeah. And like like when you're talking about nuance on a study, like looking at the mechanism is one of the most important parts of a study because you know there's two big things that will probably eventually dedicate an episode to so i'm not going like super yeah. in depth on but you have healthy user bias and you have placebo right and these two effects can throw off a nutritional study so much because we can't really double blind certain things like you can't double blind artificial sweeteners because anyone who hasn't ever had an artificial sweetener before, they know, like they know that that thing is not naturally sweetened. Um, and then also you can't humanely like try and make someone fat and you can't humanely try and make someone yeah. like, allergic to something. Like there's certain things that we cannot do for humanitarian reasons and ethical mm -hmm. reasons. And so what this leaves us with is trying to do observational studies and correlationary studies and meta-analyses of these studies. And yeah, really, if they can't articulate a mechanism through which the observance is occurring, you should probably not put much credence into the study. Like, you can think about that, right? You can try and figure out if something makes sense. You can even like if it seems like it's a good thing just keep track of it just understand where it's going yeah but putting a lot of um you know merit in something that they can't even prove the mechanism to you yeah. know that's really where we start to go off uh, the tracks yeah and i mean this isn't you know earth science like we're not able to observe and do every yeah. form of test we physically cannot like 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 just this variable alone, like in the case of like a nutrition study, one variable that tends to not be considered is what's in the air. Yeah. Like what are people breathing in? It, stuff can be floating around in the air and you know, it's like, Oh, well, like it's like, you're not considering it. Yeah. Like there could be a, like the area that they're doing the test in could have, you know, like some ridiculous 
like unnatural amount of iron in the air, yeah. right? In small particulates that's affecting the study or the 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 micronutrient that they're trying to test on it, what it's doing, it's getting affected by this high iron content in the air, or you know some other. You know, a lot of places around the planet have different forms of smog from different yeah. local factory works, and and or the different local mines. fish could have Benadryl in it. Yeah, like. something like like it literally can be thrown off by something as much as like the water containing a different, you know, like amount of minerals in it. Yeah, and it's and that'll completely fuck up a study, and 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 you just don't notice it. Yeah, right. And that's why a lot of these studies, like you could probably take a lot of these nutritional studies and retest them multiple times on different places in the planet and yeah. then come back with different results. Yeah. Now they do good job at a lot of times covering their bases and being like, Hey, like we do understand that this could be happening. Yeah. But again, that's kind of a give and take you do have to have when reading the science and, and they know it too, yeah. right? They're fully well aware of it, yeah. but well, like a great example of this is, and if the viewers want to like look this up at home, I think you would probably be able to find it by like keyword searching. Um, ice cream improves heart health and diabetes patients, right? Mm -hmm. And so basically what the study found was that individuals that were diabetic who had ice cream, I think it was like two to three times a week in like single serving portions, their heart health actually increased. Now the theoretic, the theoretical mechanism behind this has been that essentially you're getting this uh, fat, uh, these fatty membranes that's containing the ice cream that do something different when they're frozen in that manner. And so basically the idea is we should probably be consuming some like of this dairy fat that's cold, mm -hmm. um, which is then showing like, yeah, probably not the ice cream, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, but like a cursory view of the studies, like, Oh damn, I need to eat ice cream two to three times a, a week. And it's going to increase my heart health. Oh, they said I should be eating ice cream. <laughs> yeah. And then it turns into not two to three times a week. It's well, I mean, like it's it said it was good for me. Yeah, right. It gets generalized from out of yeah. context, and it says ice cream is good for me because yeah. I have diabetes. Now, now and, think about what that means. Right? Yeah, think about that for yeah. a second. And then this is how like the NIH creates like you know food recommendations where Rice Krispie treats are at the very top, or yeah. like Lucky Charms, or you know some of these like super high processed. We know they're not really good for us, like grain containing, yeah. you know, high sugar, low. Uh, fiber, like all these things, but that, it's all cursory gland stuff. Yeah, you know? and it's just, it's not a good way to do it. And like that's why a lot of these, and especially like in the case of the NIH, like them releasing like some some pyramid, some chart, some yeah. recommendation on some food, and it just it's nothing but that. That's that's all that's on YouTube the next day uh, amongst nutrition people. Yeah. They're like, what the f <laughs> fuck is this? Yeah. Right, because it's like it's just like so rad. Like they'll put like lean white chicken meat, you know, rank, well below like rank as a loops. three out of ten. Yeah, three <laughs> out of ten. It's below Fruit Loops and like yeah. a Big Mac, or, or for some reason. And, and it's like, did did no one look at this? Like, <laughs> like, did, come on, like, like, yeah. if you want us to trust your organization, did someone not take a look at this? Like, yeah. So, but like, it's hard for people that are in the NIH to create something that is nuanced enough but still like you know their point is to create a graphic that you know all someone has to do is look at it and know everything they and need, that's the issue with this which is can't. really hard to do with stuff like this yeah because it's like like if i put on a graphic ground beef is good right yeah i'm going to get some feedback because there's a lot of people that have red meat 
kind of like intolerance in, yeah. some, in some regards where the, the fats involved in red meat or just the, the protein itself and what makes it different from these lean white meats is, is just they cannot – their body can't handle it. And yeah. then there's other people where red meat is the best – form of meat for them mm -hmm. you know it's just it what it's what works with their body the best yeah. and it, you know a lot of this has to do with like where different people are from what they've eaten throughout their life and 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 a lot of different contributing factors that we're not 100 yeah. percent sure on and that, that's just the big point about observing the science and being aware about the fact that this stuff's going to change and, and that, that's one thing that i do accept also with us having this podcast is that some stuff that we say could completely date like fully within the uh, within the next even like year, two years. Mm -hmm. Now that that's a big reason as to why we don't try to say things that are too specifically nuanced yeah. in regards to that. And that's why a lot of nutrition people don't try to say too many nuanced things, but you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. And, and that is sometimes at the pain stake of the viewer. Yeah. You know, you, you're like, I will, what's the answer? <laughs> yeah. Like, well, I, I don't have the answer either. Yeah. So I'm gonna kind of need you to guesstimate on this one. So, yep. so yeah. But yeah. Do you have anything else you want to add about nuance points? No. Nope. That uh, we don't normally get to talk about. All right, guys. Well, with that being said, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and learned something from it and take something away from it. Um, and we guys, we will see you in the next one. See ya. Hi guys, this is Nathan. I just wanted to thank you for listening to this episode of Former Fitness Podcast. If you like this and are looking for more content like it, there are plenty more podcasts from our studio, Uptown Audio, at the University of North Carolina at Charlotte that you can go and listen to. Those will be linked in our link tree that'll be attached in the description of this podcast wherever you're receiving it. Thank you guys so much for listening. It does truly mean a lot to us, and we hope you all have a great day.